Welcome to history class after hours, things your teacher never taught you because they didn't have time. I'm Joseph Barra, and joining me today is once again Eli. Good afternoon. And uh, today we are going to finish our Dan Sickles trilogy with part three, Dan Strikes Back. He's back and he is full, full, he's in full Dan mode, <laughs> if that's a thing. The Dan meter is at a 10. So it's no longer temporary insanity. No, no, he's, he's, and he's kind of getting old and senile, so that's never good either. He's also uh, legless. Huh? I said he's also legless. They, yeah, his, if you remember from part two, he lost a leg at the Battle of Gettysburg, and the amputation actually went up to the hip, which is surprising that he even survived. Most amputations in that regard, you maybe have like a 15, 20% chance of surviving. Really? Yeah, it was a pretty gruesome Well, that's thing. an entire artery, yeah. so that makes sense. And then the gangrene would get him. Uh, so to recap from part two, uh, the man that got away, well, part one, he murdered someone in front of the White House, and he got away with it. Part two, he goes and fights in the Civil War. Gets his core annihilated, loses a leg, but gets the Medal of Honor for all of his actions there. Um, and he also, remember, managed to convince people that he won Gettysburg, and that is going to help his political fortune. So Dan is going to be heavily involved during Reconstruction. So after he recovered from his injuries, he would try and get a command back in the Army. Grant is not going to give him a field command, but he's like, all right, I do appreciate the hard work you put in, so we're going to give you a brevet rank of Major General. Brevet rank just means it's a promotion in name, but you don't get the pay or any of the responsibilities of being a Major General. So soon after the Civil War, he's going to be sent on a top-secret diplomatic mission to Colombia to secure compliance of a treaty from 1846, which allowed troops to cross modern-day Panama if need be. That's some serious stuff there. That's, that's some... What were they planning on doing? I don't know. It's actually a good question. That'd be something to look up. That's a major responsibility, though. For a man as qualified as Dan Sickles, that is... Uh... That's Correct. probably bigger than being a senator. <laughs> so from 1865 to 1867, he's going to command the Department of South Carolina, Department of the South, and the 2nd Military District. So the way to look at it is after the Civil War, got a period of reconstruction. There's different military districts in charge of making sure that the South is being compliant with the federal government. Um, protecting rights of newly freed slaves and things like that. So he is pretty much in charge of the Carolinas, South Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah, that's a great position for Dan. Sometimes he referred to himself as the Caesar of the Carolinas or the Grand Puba. Grand Puba? The Grand Puba. That's a fun word to say. Yeah. But anyway, you can see where this is going to go especially if you've listened to episode one and two, and you kind of got a good feeling of the type of man Dan Sickles is. So he gave himself the authority to overrule the courts, state laws, and federal laws. Um, I don't think you're necessarily allowed to do that. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to do it, but he thought he could. He is pretty much just going out there and saying, what I say goes. Now, he's going to um, issue a bunch of general orders. Man, Dan Sickles, the dictator of the Carolinas. And a lot of them are actually good. But the problem is a lot of them are 
are uh, contradicting state and federal laws, he is just throwing them away, even though he doesn't have the power to do that. So one, he halts collection of debt. So for all those farmers that were off fighting the Civil War, they went in tremendous debt because there was no one working on the fields. And he basically said, debt from 1861 to 1865, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay that back. He does a lot of things to try to help out the poor and the newly freed slaves in North and South Carolina. He really does have a heart. Sometimes. All taxpayers were put on jury rolls. Okay, so he's including everybody on that. Typically, it used to just be the rich were on juries. So if you were a rich person and you committed crime, were you going to be found guilty? No. Probably not. That truly is a jury of your peers. Mm -hmm. He banned the uh, property requirement to run for public office, so it was now open to all males. Civil War widows cannot be evicted from their houses. Then he starts getting a little crazy here. Uh -oh. Automatic death penalty for stealing a horse was abolished. <laughs> he just got flogged instead. Um, whipping for most crimes was abolished, except for the, the stealing of horses. Apparently that was an issue. Here's a big one. Local sheriffs had to report their police records. So for every arrest that they made, they had to report it back to Dan Sickles and his people. Interesting. That way to hold them accountable. He banned the production of whiskey. I'd, I, I wonder how much of this has to do with his theory on why the Civil War started, if you remember from episode one. I mean, I know he thought that the entire Civil War was fought just because everyone was drunk on whiskey, but didn't himself as well drink whiskey? He did, yes. Yes, he, yes, he did. And he probably continued to drink it. But in his mind, he's probably thinking he's stopping another one. Um, the American flag should be in front of all parades, not one, but two. And if you don't have it in your parade, everyone in the parade gets arrested. Okay. Uh, this is a good one. He would also send the cavalry after the KKK and protect the rights of newly freed slaves. He banned racial and class discrimination on public transportation and dismissed judges who judged unfairly against African Americans. So once again, a lot of these general orders are good. It's just a problem that he doesn't have the authority to do it, and he's just throwing away state standards and federal guidelines and all that stuff. But Dan, well, he's still Dan. This is uh, one of the, his finer moments, I guess, in uh, the Carolinas. He was seen smoking a cigar on a train, which was illegal. The conductor politely informed him, smoking on a train is not permitted. He looked at the conductor and replied, you can consider the law rescinded for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> He's the grand poobah. He says goes. He can do what he wants. But eventually he just goes too far. Andrew Johnson has enough, and he is going to be removed from his position in the Carolinas for being too strict and disobeying federal law. Man, you know you're bad when Andrew Johnson says stop. Mm -hmm. So in 1867, he's going to be mustered out of the Army, which pretty much he's, means he's discharged. And that same year, though, Teresa dies. Oh, no. Remember back from episode one, Teresa is his wife. She dies of tuberculosis at the age, I think, of 31. Not Teresa. So to help out Dan, they send him to Spain. Oh, that's a mistake. As to be the U.S. minister uh, in Spain. So while in Spain, he would have an affair with the disposed queen of Spain. Her name was Isabella II. And that's why he gets the nickname, the Yankee King of Spain. 
1871, he's going to get remarried. Uh, this time to a lady, her name is Carmina Cray, and she was Isabella's maid-in-waiting and 20 years younger than him. Uh, one historian said, married in belief that the other party had plenty of money, or rather the marriage was arranged, but they were temper tep temperamentally unsuited to each other and never agreed on any subject. So what he is saying is, they thought each other had money, and that's why they got married, even though they really hated each other. And they're both also broke. They're both broke, yeah. Especially Dan. <laughs> they end up having two children, oh. but he's still uh, still a, a cheater. Yeah, he hasn't got rid of those ways yet. So Carmina is done with him, even though they don't get a divorce. Uh, eventually, he will go back to the United States without her and his children, and he doesn't see his kids for 30 years. <laughs> While he's in Spain, he gets involved in what was called the Virginius Affair. So the Virginius was an American vessel, and it was smuggling in weapons to rebels in Cuba. Well, the Spanish take it, and they try the American sailors as pirates, and they execute several of the, the crew members. And it becomes this big international affair. The American public wanted war. So did Dan. Uh, Dan starts writing letters back to the U.S. saying, we need, to, we need to go to war. We need to go avenge our honor, all that stuff. And he's pretty much just unhinged at this point, just ranting like a crazy person. Oh, Luckily for both countries, the United States just kind of realizes this is an unhinged crazy person, and they just stop listening to him. Wait a minute, was it, okay, so if we remember back in episode one, Dan Sickles said that they were willing to fight for Cuba. Fight Correct. Spain for Cuba and admit them in, as a slave state. Correct. Why did American government think it would then be a good idea to send this man to Spain where he, they've already talked about fighting? Good question. Yeah, I don't know. Probably because it's Grant. <laughs> Grant really doesn't know what's going on. Uh, Grant has a lot more issues back home mm -hmm. than he does internationally. So Sickles makes several ultimatums. He says the Virginius needs to be returned. The crew that has escaped execution must be returned. The Spanish must salute the U.S. flag. The perpetrators must be punished. And there must be reparations paid for the families. If not, we're going to war with you. Once again, though... <laughs> People back in the U.S. are just saying, don't listen to him. He's, he's a crazy person. Just, just make him feel like he's actually doing something. <laughs> so behind his back, a deal is brokered. So Spain's going to pay, pay $80,000 for the Americans who were shot and hand the ship back over. Well, Sickles realizes that they have gone behind his back, so he resigns in 1874. And then he goes to Paris for five years. I don't know what happens in Paris, but I'm guessing it's not good. Dan Sickle goes off the grid for he five years. He goes off the grid for five years in Paris. That's a terrible thing. That's a very terrible thing. So, yeah. So in 1879, <laughs> he returns to the U.S., and there's a growing interest amongst veterans to commemorate not just the Civil War, but Gettysburg. And this is where Dan is really going to find his calling. He plays an important role in preserving land at Gettysburg. Whenever there's New York monuments that are being um, put up at Gettysburg, he's there giving speeches, shaking hands with all the veterans, all that stuff. And his popularity is really starting to grow. Um, so 
He's back in the government. 1892, he wins a seat at the House of Representatives. Interesting. And there he is actually going to play quite a pivotal role in creating the Gettysburg National Battlefield Park. Oh, so he is really he's really behind buying up a bunch of land to preserve it. And that's one of the reasons why it's so well preserved today is because it happened relatively cycles. quick. He even supplies fencing to delimit the borders. The fencing comes from Lafayette Square. What happened at Lafayette Square? <laughs> wasn't it a, oh, was it a, was it a mess? That's where he murdered Key. Oh. <laughs> so literally the fence that was around the park that he murdered someone, he brought that fence up and put it around Gettysburg. Nice. Well, Dan just can't stop being Dan. He's going to inherit $7 million when his father dies in the early 1890s, and he blows it all in a couple of years. 1891, his first daughter with Teresa is going to die from cirrhosis. And the reason why I bring this up is he's not the greatest father in the world. Uh, she came to him for help many of times, and he just kind of shooed her away. Uh, she's even going to be an alcoholic and just completely broke in her last couple of years. And then when she dies, he doesn't even go to the funeral, and he never visits her grave. The grave was next to her mother's, Teresa's. That was not the type of man he was at home. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not, not father of the year material there. And at around this point, he also starts a relationship with his housekeeper, Eleanor Wilmerding. That's a fun one. But then true, I mean, true tragedy is going to hit Dan Sickles where it hurts most. In 1904, his beloved Spaniel, Bobo dies. His spaniel? Dog. Oh. I think Dan likes dogs. I think that's the only thing in his life that he could really form a relationship with his, his dog. dogs. Yes. Wait, what happened to the other dog? Remember his, in, in episode one, his dog Dandy ran out the door and right. started licking key. Right. And he got, it was like, that was like too much for him. <laughs> what did he do to the dog? I don't know what happened to Dandy. That's a good question. But anyway, Bobo was a gift to Dan in 1901. So he had him for three years, and poor Bobo dies of pneumonia. As Bobo's on his deathbed, Sickles is going to go to the hospital and hire two nurses to take care of his dog 24 hours a day, even like doing like CPR and like breathing in his mouth to make sure it's breathing. But it's, it's, it's not enough. Poor Bobo dies licking Dan's hand. Dan is devastated. He stays in bed for two days and sleeps next to Bobo's dead body then he buys a very expensive wooden coffin for bobo adorns it with an american flag and numerous roses he then lays bobo in a state or would lay bobo in state at the sickles house for several days so people could come by and give their respects to bobo the dog then the final kicker is he buries bobo in a human cemetery within the Sickles family crypt with all his nieces and nephews. So if you go to Beechwood Cemetery in New York today, you could go see Bobo's grave. I think we know what we're going for. This. <laughs> we can go see Bobo. So, 1908, second family comes back, Carmina and their son Stanton from Spain, and they're hoping to restore a relationship with Dan. Well, Dan's in tremendous debt. Carmina says, listen, I'll help you pay off your debt. 
He's like, that sounds good. She's like, only one stipulation. You have to basically kick Wilmer Ding out of the house. <laughs> the, the He's maid. like, fine. Fine, I'll do that. So she goes, and like all the royal jewelry and stuff she had gotten when working with Queen Isabella, she sold it, pawned it off to pay off his debt. She goes knocking on the door. Your debt's free. Doesn't open it. <laughs> and they have to like stay in a hotel like blocks away their whole time there. Just completely kicks them to the curb, even though they just paid off their debt. Wow. Yeah. So Dan's curtain call comes in 1913. He's 94 years old. His health is failing. Can't walk. Can't really move. He's almost blind. Can't really hear. And he goes back to Gettysburg for what probably is supposed to be the last time. Well, the New York Monuments Commission, which he's in charge of, will raise $28,000 to put up a monument for the Excelsior Brigade. And within the monument is supposed to be a statue of Dan Sickles on a podium. Problem is that $28,000 disappears. Dan embezzled it. Oh, Dan. 94-year-old Dan Sickles, who's in a wheelchair, blind, can't hear, is pretty close to going to jail. <laughs> but they make a plea deal, and he gets out of it. Embezzles $25,000. $28,000. $28,000 94 years old. Correct. Man, he's, he's Dan's always going to be Dan. He just keeps it up to the end. So if you go to Gettysburg today, he is the only Corps commander from the Union Army that does not have a statue. And one of his last times there, uh, there's a reporter and goes, Hey, Dan, how do you feel that there's no statue of, his, of you here? His response, statue. I don't need no statue. The whole damn battlefield's my statue. It's Daniel Sickles. That's Daniel right Sickles for you. So he dies on May 3rd, 1914, of a brain hemorrhage. He's given a full military procession in New York City. People are lined up on the streets watching his casket come, go down. A bunch of uh, Civil War veterans are leading the procession. And then he's going to be buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Were there two flags at that parade? I'm assuming there was two <laughs> flags there. So if you go to Arlington National Cemetery, you could go see the headstone of one Daniel Sickles. So that ends the trilogy of Daniel Sickles. American scoundrel. This man really went from nothing to everything, back to nothing, to everything again at the start of the Civil War, basically to nothing after losing his leg, back to the House of Representatives, down to nothing, and really dies with nothing because he embezzled it all. Yeah, it's just, it's just a bunch of ups and downs. All of his fault, too. It's, well, it's all of his doing. I mean, if, Think, you've, if you've lived the life of Dan Sickles, though, I think you've had enough. You've had enough excitement. You don't need much more in life. The man lived till he was 94. <laughs> well, he did a lot in 94 years. He lived years. until he was 94. But I mean, it is, it is definitely a tale of ups and downs and just pure debauchery. It's, <laughs> debauchery. I, don't, I don't even know. I don't think you'll ever see someone like this again in American <sighs> history. I mean, Someone needs to make a movie about it. You talked about a moral when we started. Yes. But, uh, I mean, I see Andrew Jackson as an immoral person. Dan Sickles is... He's almost more than immoral because... <laughs> he just don't care. <laughs> Dan's going to do what Dan wants to do. Except when it comes to... Well, 
Dandy and Bobo. <laughs> Those are the two true loves of his life. Historians are pretty sure he, sh- he shot Dandy. After he really? Licked, after he licked. Oh, no. After he licked I didn't him. know that. Poor Dandy. <laughs> but, I mean, Dan Sickles is a man of... Uh, for him, you can see he wants he wants honesty and loyalty from people. And but he's not willing to give that. He doesn't give that out. Correct, but yes. his dog betrayed his loyalty. He is a too much walking contradiction. He shot Dandy, really. Yeah. Oh, well, sad. except for the fact that he wasn't walking after the Civil War. Because yeah. he didn't have a leg. <laughs> so I hope uh, you listeners enjoyed this series. Uh, please tune back when we uh, will release some more material. Yeah. Planning, what, Wednesdays? Yep. Wednesday, Every Wednesday Saturday. we plan on having a drop and we're trying to line up some guest speakers too. So yep. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.